Hello and welcome to the MetroLab podcast, the podcast where we discuss different perspectives on the role of metropolitan regions in the climate crisis and their paths towards climate neutrality. In several episodes, we want to discuss different topics that play a major role in contributing to greenhouse gas emissions and which are part of our day-to-day -day life. At the heart of each episode is an exchange between international and local representatives working on the topic. We want to address challenges and highlight positive approaches, set them in spatial context and be thought-provoking. In today's episode, we will discuss the role of the mobility sector as one of the main contributors to greenhouse gas emissions, strategies and plans for future-proof mobility systems and their spatial manifestation and how mobility shapes our daily lives. We have invited two guests who are working on the mobility system of the future on a national and local level. I would like to start with introducing Jacqueline Matejewicz. She's head of the Mobility and Transport Technology Department at the Austrian Federal Ministry. Welcome, and maybe we can start by you briefly introducing yourself and telling us what your department is concerned with at the moment. Thank you very much for the invitation. As you already mentioned, my name is Jacqueline Matejewicz. I just joined the Federal Ministry for Climate Action six, six months ago. In fact, um, for the past uh, five years, I was responsible for the innovation development at the Austrian Federal Railways. And now um, since September, I'm head of the Mobility and Transport Technologies Department at the Federal Ministry. Um, my team and I are responsible for research, technologies and innovation in the field of mobility. Um, in 2020, we uh, introduced the RTI strategy for mobility 2040, um, which defines our major goals, um, which are we want cities to be climate neutral. We want regions to be sufficiently connected to mobility services. We want technologies to contribute to lower emissions. And uh, we want uh, digitalization to help us integrate and optimize mobility and logistics services as well as our infrastructure. Um, we do not only write strategies, um, we also fund uh, projects. Uh, in the field of mobility uh, to achieve our goals. Uh, we support the mobility community on a national level as well as on an international or European level. Um, we bring in Austria's interests when it comes to European programs, partnerships, platforms, etc. And we also provide our colleagues at the ministry with the necessary information about our findings at the research projects, for example, when it comes to uh, policy legislation or strategic questions um, and we also share of course our findings with the public um, because it's simply very important that people know where the uh, future of mobility is heading at. I would also like to welcome Nicolas Fontaine. He is general manager at the Greater Grenoble Area Mobility Authority. Could you also briefly introduce yourself the Greater Grenoble Area Mobility Authority And maybe you can tell us a little bit about your role as a general manager. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very pleased to be here with you today. So as you told, I'm uh, the general manager of the very new, uh, it was created uh, only uh, three years ago. So the very new uh, Grenoble Mobility Authority. And uh, before that, uh, I've been working in the field of transport for the last uh, 20 years 
uh, especially in uh, Bordeaux, in the southwest France, and also in uh, Strasbourg. So um, in Grenoble, uh, our mobility authority is in charge of the public transport network. So we commission uh, the network. We are in charge of a few uh, new um, investment projects. Like, for example, we are working on a new cable car line. It will be one of the first uh, cable car line in France for public transport. And uh, we are also in charge of planning transport. We, we are starting a new uh, urban mobility plan. I will talk about that later. Uh, and we have also, um, we, are, we are also very much interested in uh, uh, cycling policy. We um, manage the largest uh, cycling uh, service in France outside Paris. And uh, one of the, our la last uh, interests is car sharing and car pooling. And uh, in every of those fields, uh, Grenoble has always been famous uh, for being one of the first cities in France to implement new system. So Grenoble was the second city in the 80s to uh, take part in the rebirth of the tramway. The tramway has completely dis disappeared in France uh, at the beginning of the 70s. Uh, Grenoble uh, has the, is, is known as the best city in France for cycling. And we are also the first city in France to have a special lane for uh, carpooling that opened just before the pandemics. So we manage with my team, we manage all those, uh, uh, all those services and we have a budget which is a bit above 200 million euros every year. Thank you very much, both of you, for taking the time to talk with us today. So I want to start with an example. In Austria, the mobility sector is responsible for about a third of the total greenhouse gas emission and the, em and the emissions are even higher than in 1990 and they are still growing. Mobility plays a major role in our daily lives as most of us need to move for work, education, leisure, grocery shopping, amongst other things. According to the current mobility plan, Austria aims to be carbon neutral by 2040 but as pointed out by the Austrian Federal Environmental Agency, we will fail this goal with the current measures in place. Jacqueline Matejewicz, maybe you can tell us about what the Austrian goals and strategies towards a climate neutrality in the mobility sector are and where Austria is currently standing in reaching those goals. Thank you for the question. Um, first of all, let me say that becoming climate neutral is probably the most or the biggest challenge that uh, men and women kind were ever facing. Um, nevertheless, Austria has, it, has set itself quite ambitious goals. Um, we want to achieve climate neutrality in Austria by 2040. Uh, and therefore, our ministry also introduced the Mobility Master Plan 2030, as you already mentioned, mentioned. And it's really a combination of different measures to, on the one hand, avoid traffic for the first time, and also to shift and improve uh, traffic constantly. Um, in order to do so, we have three main goals. And that's, first of all, a reversal of the trend that you just described of this steady growth of uh, passenger and uh, freight transport. And on the other hand, it's a clear shift towards public transport, towards rail. Um, and of course, it's also um, really fostering new technologies, but with maximum efficiency, um, because 
simply our renewable energy amount is is limited. So we have to really think of new technologies that are the most efficient ones. Um, and for all those three goals, there's certain priorities how to achieve those goals. And the number one priority, I would say, is certainly creating an attractive public transport system. So we are really working a lot on having a demand-orientated public transport system, really constantly improving our rail network, um, really having a public transport system which is all, that is also easy to enter in. So we invented the Klima ticket, which is an uh, annual ticket for maximum three euro per day for almost all public transport in Austria. And that's only one incentive, but a quite powerful one to really uh, bring people into a new behavior, into a new system that they may not familiar with or that they use way too less. So that they don't think of any pricing or ticketing matters. They just enter the train and, and drive, yeah. Um, other uh, priorities certainly are active mobility forms, such as walking, cycling, as well as really emission-free propulsion systems. As you already mentioned, the combustion engine is the one that is really causing a lot of CO2 emissions right now. So we are heavily... Um, investing here. We also invest uh, in alternative infrastructure. And of course, e-mobility is one of the biggest things that we're uh, dealing with right now. So we uh, launched the e-mobility offensive that is really providing a record budget of uh, 227 million euro um, for uh, electric vehicles, especially for buses and commercial vehicles, as well as infrastructure. So there's a lot of incentives there. Um, and we really want to become uh, a top player when it comes to new shares of, of new registrations for emission-free cars. Um, and as I already mentioned, rail plays an important role here. So we also invest a lot of, in, in, of um, funding in uh, rail freight transport. Um, our uh, ministry is just developing um, the freight transport mobility, uh, freight transport master plan as addition to the mobility master plan. So that will also foster our way to the rail freight transport, but also other sustainable freight uh, options. And last but not least, maybe let me mention um, another um, important point uh, of the mobility master plan, that's certainly the economic instruments. Um, so as many people may know, Austria um, just introduced the CO2 pricing system last year. So we are currently really focusing on favoring environmentally friendly behavior and creating cost transparency for CO2 emissions. So um, this fixed price mechanism started at 30 euro per ton last year and will steadily increase over the next few years. So that's only one thing that we can also do from an economic point of view to also bring people to really change, change their behavior and in fact reduce CO2 emissions at all. And so in Grenoble, in 2019, a new urban mobility plan was introduced. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the pillars of this mobility plan. And perhaps you can talk a little bit about the experience and learnings that you had since you Im implemented this new plan. Yeah, thank, thank you very much for the question. So um, it's true that uh, in 2019, the Grenoble Mobility Authority approved a very ambitious, uh, very good mobility plan. 
uh, that was awarded uh, a prize by the European Commission. Um, nevertheless, uh, today, uh, this, this plan is already out of uh, fashion and uh, we are working on a brand new plan. So why, uh, very quickly, there are three reasons uh, uh, for that uh, uh, for that fact, the first reason is that uh, our mobility authority expanded. The, we have a larger territory now, and by law, we are required to redo, to rewrite that uh, mobility plan. So that's the first reason. The second reason is that um, this plan was so ambitious uh, that uh, it didn't take into account uh, the financial situation of the mobility authority, and this is not a very good uh, one. We have quite a lot of uh, financial problems. We've got high debt and our fares are shrinking. So now we, we clearly uh, realize that we won't be able to uh, do all that uh, new, uh, those new investments. And the third reason is that uh, this plan was uh, adopted in 2019. So um, in between uh, the pandemics happened and it was a huge shock uh, on the way uh, mobility policy are conceived in, uh, in France. And as far as we can, uh, we are concerned, we have not reached back the level of uh, footfall and the level of public that we had uh, before the pandemics. We are only 90% from the number of people that uh, used uh, public transport in Grenoble before 2090. Um, so we have to rewrite the plan and what are the challenges that we face? So please let me uh, briefly explain them. Um, we've got uh, a really big problem about the way uh, public uh, mobility policies were conceived in the 70s and the 80s. I talked uh, uh, before about the rebirth of the tramway, and it's very true that outside Paris, all cities uh, in the 80s, in the 90s, uh, decided to focus their mobility policy uh, on one single instrument that was the, the tramway. And there was no, there were in the 70s, there were no more tramways in France. And now every city, uh, every, even, uh, small cities, 50,000 inhabitants, they have at least one single, uh, one uh, tramway line. And the problem with that system is that the, the tramway is very expensive to build. Uh, and also, uh, after 40 years, uh, it's uh, time to do a lot of maintenance. It's time to change the rolling stock. So now we face huge uh, investment just to replace uh, our tramway lines just as they are. We are not talking about doing new services. We are talking just by preserving uh, what already exists. And it's already a lot of money in a situation, uh, as I said, where we, when we are, uh, we already face high debt. So it's very difficult to us to build uh, a new investment plan. The second reason, and uh, I will finish on that, uh, is that not only the tramway uh, is very expensive, it's very expensive to maintain, but also we realize that uh, it worked very well for short trips, for very short distances. It worked very well inside uh, the metropolitan area, at the heart of the metropolitan area for travelers, uh, journeys that are maybe between one and four kilometers. Uh, and we have achieved amazing results for those uh, for those trips, and uh, the, the the car has really gone back, and the uh, the, uh, the share of the public transport has gone uh, very high. But uh, in fact, above five kilometers, we don't offer any solutions to people. 
And uh, if you want to uh, travel outside uh, the, the the city center, outside the, the center of the metropolitan area, it's very difficult to find public transport. And now we we realize we really want to focus on those journeys and we want to develop new solutions for those journeys. And that's the main challenge that we are going to face in our new uh, mobility plan. It's very interesting to also talk about some struggles of implementing public transport. Um, also, when we talk about mobility measures, it is very often difficult because there are a lot of impulses from different sides that have to fall into place in order for them to really take effect. And one big part, as you both already mentioned, is the acceptance of the public, of the population to change or to adapt. But mobility habits are closely linked to individual behavior and therefore an emotional topic in Austria. What are measures in place um, and what is needed to create a greater awareness among the population for new measures that will affect their daily lives? I think there's a, a lot of factors when it comes to really changing um, my personal in behavior or mobility habits, in fact. Um, but I may focus on two major factors that I think are the, the most pressing ones. Um, the first major factor I would say is accountability or responsibility. So what we see is that people can't really relate to, to uh, national greenhouse gases or their reductions. It's, it's simply too unspecific. It's too far away from their personal sphere. It's, it's just people, people can't really, really feel the, the, the need for, for a change or, or their, their personal behavior in, in that, in that case. So what we see in our research projects is that a so-called mobility part budget, for example, can be one measure to really create transparent picture of the CO2 emissions of an individual person or of a company and really give, give a clear picture where people are really sim simply uh, dealing with a lot uh, of, of different different CO2 emissions uh, and, and so on. So um, I think that's, that's only one example, but a quite um, transparent one, um, how, how to really uh, bring people to ask themselves if their use of mobility is really a conscious one or if they are simply like, yeah, Doing, doing really harm to the environment. So we have to bring it to a personal sphere, to a per we have to make it to a personal matter um, and not only the national greenhouse gases that are quite unspecific. And the second major factor I would say are like incentives or even co-benefits uh, when it comes to behavior. So people um, have to see that it's not only beneficial for the environment, but also for their own sake. So if we can link uh, mo their mobility habit to their health situation, to, to their, their, their personal life, then it gets much easier to convince them to, to change their behavior. For example, if we count, um, let's say, their, their commuting time for active mobility as working time. So if we like give them the benefit of really having that time granted um, as, as working time, then we can bring people to change their behavior too. So um, that's only one example, but 
I think you can see that people can be motivated for other reasons and also companies can be motivated by that. If their employees cycle to work, for example, they're much more productive during the day, they're maybe healthier and, and less often on, on leave six, uh, sick leave, etc. So um, that's, that's only one point um, where co-benefits or incentives can, can also play a major role. But I know that's only two factors, but uh, but I think that's that's the most yeah the most pressing ones or the most uh, obvious ones that we see in our research projects. And in Grenoble, how did you manage, or where did you struggle to bring the the population on board with your new mobility plan? Uh, we, we in Grenoble we never struggle with the population. We we are happy to have a quite progressive. Uh, Uh, population. People are really eager here to, to cycle. People are really eager to change their behavior. As I told you before, they were the first uh, uh, citizen in the country to uh, uh, go back to the tramway system. So uh, there's always been uh, lots of uh, association between the local authorities and the public. And just to mention one example, we could talk about the popular assembly Uh, the Climate Popular Assembly that was uh, run last year in Grenoble. Uh, we did it on the, on the model uh, of the, um, that happened at the, at the state level uh, in 2021. And we asked uh, several citizens to work with them, to work with the technicians, with the uh, politicians of the Grenoble Metropolitan Authority uh, to uh, propose measures an action plan to um, respect the Paris Agreement and to uh, uh, take our part in the in the fight uh, for uh, against climate change. And uh, those people, we spend uh, several days with them uh, on the weekend to explain them the, our policies. And uh, in fact, they uh, produce a very interesting list of uh, action of plans. And, and we were happy, very happy to, to see that uh, as far as mobility is concerned, um, more than 85% of the measures that they propose are the, already the me measures that we are working on and that we want to improve in the future. So I think it's a very good example of, uh, when we take, when you take the time to explain the changes to people, when you make them uh, speak with experts, Uh, when you let them time to uh, reflect, to uh, uh, talk with each other, uh, they happen to uh, uh, go to uh, the best solution. And uh, it's very easy after that to uh, implement them because uh, uh, it's uh, common knowledge. It's, uh, it's shared uh, between the local authorities and the public. Yeah, we had a, not a similar, but a, a bit of that strategy also in Austria with the Klimarat where they also were explained or like professionals came and talked to them. They had the time to reflect and they also created some measures. It's a very nice method, I think, to bring the population. Yeah, maybe I should say that the only uh, measure that was a bit uh, controversial was about the price of the public transport. Uh, you talk about the climate ticket and uh, it's three euros, three euros every day. That's right. That's what you said. Uh, we could also talk about the nine euro ticket in Germany uh, last summer, uh, and uh, it's really true that uh, it's a it's a debate. Uh, it's a very strong debate at the moment in in France how much people should pay 
for public transport? Should we go for a low price? But maybe uh, uh, then we we won't be able to do all the investments, or should we make people pay more? And uh, it's true that uh, in that in that uh, regard, in that field, uh, we were we didn't really agree what, with the measures that were proposed, and uh, we are going to work on uh, uh, with them again on that to uh, to see if we can find an agreement and find a, a way in between what they wanted to do and what we had planned before. Mm-hmm. And we already heard a little bit about the freight transport before, but Austria, especially within the European Union, um, has a very central position. And so it's not only burdened by traffic within the country, but also traffic that is just passing through. So I would like to talk a little about the role of innovative and sustainable forms of mobility concerning the transportation of goods and freight. You already mentioned the National Freight Transportation Plan, But especially on a metropolitan or city level, what are plans and strategies for freight transport in Austria? Yeah, first of all, let me say that, of course, new innovative and sustainable solutions play a key role uh, in in really becoming climate neutral. Um, We not only have to reduce the greenhouse emissions, um, but also the air pollution and the noise that comes with the freight transport. Um, so therefore, our ministry has on the one hand launched the um, F- uh, RTI uh, mobility strategy um, that really focuses on technical improvements of the vehicles, improvement of the digital infrastructure, data availability, governance measures, etc., etc. Um, but also, as I as I mentioned in the in the first question. Um, The national uh, freight uh, transportation plan will also be published, um, I think, in in very short time. So um, in order to really have a sustainable freight transport, we have to increase rail wherever possible. So especially for long distance transport with particularly heavy goods, that's the one uh, form of mobility that we should use. But we also have to think of all the electric and hybrid vehicles on the road we will also need. And as you as you uh, asked, uh, especially for the city centers, we will have to think of cargo bikes, for example, for the first and last mile as one form of transport. Um, we also have to think of digitalization and the 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 possibilities that are offered by digitalization. So, for example, to optimize really our processes along the logistic chains um, for multimodal hubs to really reduce the the number of unloaded drives that that are also quite quite impressive, <laughs> negatively impressive. So, um, we have to really improve also the interoperability operability between different systems um, as well as the collaboration across uh, company boundaries so uh, in fact when it comes to to freight transport we really have to think of new ways how to improve existing um, forms of mobility but also think of new possibilities um, on a technical level on a digitalization level to really make a difference because we We won't reduce freight after all. Um, I think in, in every study we see that people are even more um, sending more uh, packages every day. Um, I, I won't mention any big players on the market, but you know, um, 
people are really ordering a lot online and with with all the covid-19 situation the the number became even even more um and so if you want to really reach our goals we have to think of sustainable forms to really deliver all those <laughs> packages and all those stuff um really efficiently so yes there's a lot of a lot of uh, tasks when it comes to freight transport If we now think of the spatial manifestation of transport, the car is still the most present in most of the areas. And it's, it's still given a lot of space compared to other modes of transport. So we were wondering what the spa spatial manifestation of the urban mobility plan in Greater Grenoble is and why the metropolitan scale is essential in initiating this new plan. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for the question. As I said before, um, our mobility authority is quite new. And in fact, it was uh, created in 2020. And uh, it's a merge between uh, three previous uh, mobility authority. Uh, what you have to understand is that Grenoble uh, metropolitan area is quite small. It's maybe 20 kilometers wide. Um, so it couldn't really address the challenges of uh, middle-distance uh, daily journeys. Um, as I said before, we built a mobility system that was really good at uh, uh, getting people who are doing uh, small trips out of their cars and put them in the tramway, but we couldn't manage uh, to uh, offer solutions to people that would do five to 10, 15, 20 kilometers every day. And we didn't have uh, the um, institutional tool to do that. We didn't have the good authority uh, because the the territory were too small. So those three authorities decided to merge in 2020 and decided to completely change their focus. Uh, we will not work as a priority on putting people in public transport if they are doing short trips if they are doing uh, trips that are between one and five kilometers. Uh, we are going to work on uh, developing new services and new modes of transport for people who are doing uh, trips that are between five and 20, 25 kilometers. And that's a real metropolitan challenge. Uh, yeah, In fact, everything comes from the fact that the metropolitan area is too small and it should be uh, much bigger. And our authority is the right size uh, to do that. So that's why uh, you, you're going to see in the future uh, that we are going to focus on uh, uh, express coach services. And of course, a big plan is to build a S-Ban uh, in, the, in, in Grenoble. And we see it as the main tool uh, to transform mobility at the scale of the metropolitan uh, area. And where do you see the importance of fostering cooperations between the metropolitan area and its direct surroundings? Um, in France, this is quite obvious because uh, we have uh, lots of different uh, public authorities that are in charge of transport. We are in charge of urban transport, but the re region uh, in Lyon uh, is in charge of uh, railway networks, regional railway networks. And uh, we clearly realized that we can't do anything without each other. So the region and the metropolitan area have been working together for maybe 20 years, 
we are working on a, a complete integrating uh, ticketing system. We are working on a completely integrated information system. We are working on the fare system. And now we have to work to make it possible to fund, uh, to commission uh, this regional network. And it's going to be quite difficult because uh, we have the same financial problems, the region and the metropolitan area. But uh, for us, it's completely mandatory, it's compulsory to uh, to be able to work with the, the region authority. Uh, on a smaller uh, scale, it's also completely mandatory to work with the cities uh, because the cities have the uh, power for parking. Uh, and uh, as you know, it's one of the most uh, powerful levers to change uh, people's uh, behavior in terms of mobility. So uh, at the same time, we have to work on the level which is above us, the region, and we have to work with the level which is below us, uh, the cities. And that's not always easy, but we try to do it. And our mobility authority is for us the perfect place uh, to make that kind of cooperation. And in Austria, if we take the example of Vienna and its surrounding municipalities from Niederösterreich and Burgenland, is there a strong collaboration in the mobility sector between the city and its surrounding regions? Uh, yes, um, I would say there's there's still potential, but um, we see that there's a lot of cooperation going on right now. We also support this kind of cooperation. Um, we have the real world laboratories, as we call it, um, which really offer a good environment for setting up, experimenting, but also fostering collaboration in an urban uh, context as well as in a regional context. Um, that's where we also support research, give, giving funding to rural areas as well as cities to really encourage them to cooperate, to participate when it comes to new mobility services. Um, and of course, uh, there's a lot of different concepts on, on a city level that, that we're working on. For example, we when we talk about uh, super blocks or the 15-minute city, that are initiatives that we are um, focusing on when it comes on the city level. Um, so 15-minute city, maybe I explain in one sentence, uh, is, means uh, that everything you need for your daily life is just around the corner, in fact. Um, so that's a concept that we find very attractive and that we are really also supporting. Um, it's also active mobility modes, public transport, shared uh, mobility that comes in on a city level. And um, that's where we really want to support or foster uh, cooperation between the different players. And real-world laboratories have the charm of really like bringing together the decision makers, the people who will be users at the end of the day and and all, all the public in general. Um, so that's an instrument that we really like to use to simply remove some kind of barrier and and remove the yeah maybe maybe that people are afraid of new mobility services to to getting we help them get in contact with new, new services and that's one way how to really deal with cooperation and and participation on that level so my last question already, how would you see the mobility sector of the future, that it might become a driving force on our way to climate neutrality? Nicolas Fontaine, would you like to start? Yeah, okay. 
So um, I must tell you, I, I might be very old-fashioned, but uh, I still really believe in uh, infrastructure and uh, in developing new infrastructure. I'm not the kind of person who thinks that digital services will change everything and will be the solution for everything. It's, it's really true that uh, digital service matter, uh, but I think that uh, before, uh, if, the, if we really want to uh, uh, digital we- uh, services to work, you have before to build the infrastructure. So uh, what we want to do in Grenoble is completely change um, um, our plan, our um, uh, paradigm, mobility paradigm. And uh, as I said, uh, in France in the 70s and 80s, it was everything was focused on the tramway. And uh, we realized that in other countries, in Northern Europe, in, uh, in the Netherlands, in Copenhagen, they made another choice. Uh, they decided to focus more on active modes, on walking, and of course, on cycling. And that they really uh, invest money on uh, building infrastructure for those modes. And that's our main point. Uh, we really want to switch to that new model, to that model from the Northern Europe. And in Grenoble, we, we, we like to say that we want to be the Copenhagen of the Alps. Uh, that's, that's, I think that's going to be a very strong driving force to change mobility and to be climate motor, uh, in the, in the coming years. And of course, uh, at the same time, we have, as I said, uh, we have to invest on uh, infrastructure for people who are doing longer trips, for people who are doing trips between 5 and 25 kilometers. So the second driving force uh, that we want to implement is the S-Bahn uh, in Grenoble, in the greater Grenoble area. That's really important. And I think the combination of cycling for shorter trips and uh, train for uh, uh, middle trips between five and 25 kilometers is really the combination that will uh, uh, change uh, mobility uh, in uh, in France and uh, in Grenoble in particular. And that's really the, the way uh, we're going to be climate neutral. I totally agree. Um, so I would also say the future of mobility is multimodal. is really like a very inclusive mobility system because one one thing we we must not, uh, we must not forget is that people should really be able to use um, the different forms of mobility as easy and as as uh, yeah as easy as possible. In fact, um, so we have to also create a mobility system that people are not depending on their own car or their only form of mobility. They have to really have a. We, we in Austria we we often talk about the mobility guarantee, um, but in fact it's it's exactly that. So people have to really rely on a mobility service that doesn't depend on how much money they earn or where they come from or if they really like um, having having any any disability. It must be able to use um, really all the mobility services very easily um and i think there's there's a lot of things that we need to do in order to get to this vision of the future of mobility um but we also have to bear in mind that mobility is is not an end in itself as you mentioned in your introduction nobody takes the train just for taking the train we take the train because we got want to get somewhere we want to go to work we want to go to school um, we want to follow our leisure activities um, so um, we have to think also of 
collaborating with those um, sectors. So we have to work closely together with the health sector, with tourism, with education, etc. So to really have this holistic approach um, to, to, to mobility um, and really having a higher quality of life. In fact, that's, that's all it is about. Thank you. I think this is a very nice sentence to finish maybe our question part of the episode. And at the end of the episode, we always like to ask our guests to share free inspiring projects or initiatives, maybe ideas that are working on our future of tomorrow or our, the future society of tomorrow. So we would like to also ask you to share free projects or in initiatives, whatever. And maybe Nicolas Fontaine, you would like to start? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, um, of course I could talk about the, the, the S-Band, but it's not very, uh, it's not a new idea. And, uh, also it's going to take some time, uh, in France because, uh, as you might know, uh, the French with network is, uh, really, um, old fashioned. There's no, no comparison with the, with the network that you have in the German speaking countries. So I will, I will take three other examples. Uh, the first example, um, Uh, one we received uh, a award for uh, is our express uh, cycling uh, infrastructure. It's called Chrono Velo. So Chrono because uh, uh, on those infrastructure you can go um, fast. Uh, it's very reliable. So uh, Grenoble has been building uh, uh, an express uh, cycling network, which uh, at the end when it's uh, it's finished. Uh, would be, uh, around 200 kilometers. And so it's wide. It's, uh, at least five uh, meters wide. And the idea is that, um, when you're there, you're only, uh, with cyclists. So there's no mix of use. Uh, you don't have the pedestrian. You don't have the car. You're always protected from uh, other kind of traffic. And you can, uh, either go fast if you want to. So it's very effective for the people who want to go to work or, Uh, who are in a hurry, but you can also take your time and go with the kids and the family. And, uh, because it's wide, uh, it can accommodate, accommodate, uh, lots of different uses. And, uh, and, uh, anytime we, uh, um, we put into service a new, uh, stretch of those, uh, of this network, we really see that, uh, the level of cycling increase, uh, very rapidly. So I think it's very inspiring and uh, that's something that we want to uh, uh, go on doing. Uh, and it's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of a brand mark for our territory now. A second solution um, would be the express coach line that we are trying to develop, that we are developing in Grenoble. So as I said, uh, our ultimate goal is the S-Band, but we know that it's going to take some time, it's going to cost money. Uh, so maybe um, um, to achieve a network like the one you have uh, in Switzerland, for example, is it's going to take 20 years. So we can't wait. So what we are going to do is to develop uh, uh, coach lines uh, that will do between uh, 20, 25 kilometers uh, from and uh, to and out the city center. And that will be very fast, uh, which would have priority lanes, which would have very few stops. Uh, and, uh, the big advantage of that kind of system is that, uh, it's not gonna cost uh, a lot, probably, uh, uh, maybe 
um, in terms of operating cost, maybe not more than two euros per kilometer. So it's very, very effective. Uh, our model for that is the city of Madrid, and they really developed a coach service uh, that connects to the to the metro and uh, uh, the share of uh, public transport in the greater Madrid uh, area is is very very high. Uh, for and, they, and and the solution is very cost effective, so that's really uh, a second focus. And the third uh, flagship project I would like to talk about is what we are doing on car sharing. So car sharing is a very difficult task. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I've been working on it for more than tw- twelve years, and uh, and every time we talk about car sharing, we say, "Oh, it's a great solution." Uh, it's going to solve everything, congestion. It's going to help people uh, save money. Uh, it will help the local authorities also to uh, invest less. Uh, but in fact, we realized that uh, there are lots of uh, barriers, uh, social barriers, social, sociological barriers to, uh, to, to car sharing. And um, recently, in the last uh, few months, uh, we are starting to see some kind of move, a shift, uh, for example, uh, our car sharing service uh, has grown by 60% since, since September. So something is happening at the moment with car sharing, and that's really interesting to see. Uh, we also want to develop priority lines. We want to develop lots of services so that people can trust each other when they, when they do car sharing. And I think uh, it's going to grow very much in the future, and it's going to be very useful to address that kind of journey I was talking about, the people who are doing between five and 20 kilometers who live in the metropolitan area, not in the city center, and uh, who have to do long distances every day. Well, um, also free examples from Austria. Um, it was quite difficult to focus on free because we do so many projects. Um, but I think the, the most important one when we talk about cities is certainly our uh, climate neutral cities mission um, that we have on a national level. Um, we have just initiated um, this mission featuring 10 large uh, Austrian uh, pioneer cities, as we call them, for climate neutrality. So these uh, pioneer cities, um, they will show exemplarily how strategies, measures must be designed to really implement climate neutrality with the focus of demonstration in certain districts and also these holistic solutions for energy as well as mobility as well as uh, circular economy. So they will certainly lead the way for other cities then that they really can can implement um, the, the measures too and really becoming climate neutral um, in the next past uh, few years. Um, the second initiative um, I already mentioned earlier is the Austrian Mobility Lab initiative. Um, I told you about those uh, real-world uh, laboratories where we bring together future users with de- decision-makers. Um, that's what we are also focusing on, and the ministry has just supported uh, four mobility labs in the urban and suburban context, as well as two other labs that are really addressing uh, questions of behavior changes, but also policy innovation. And there will be even more labs in the future. We just initiated uh, further labs on a regional level t- to really bring new mobility services also to rural regions. Um, so 
that's another instrument that we're uh, using uh, right now. And the third initiative um, is certainly our uh, 15 minutes uh, cities initiative that we are um, dealing with in the course of the European partnership that is called uh, Driving Urban Transition. And the Driving Urban Transition Initiative um, is geared to really facilitate the analysis, elaboration, experimenting, testing uh, of innovations for the 15-minute city, as I already mentioned, so that everything is just right around you with the corner and uh, we can really avoid traffic wherever possible or at least shift it to active forms of mobility or public transport. So that's um, some some initiative in, in, in the field of urban planning that we are also um, very keen on and, and that we are really interested in on a European level. With this inspiring projects and actions in mind, I would like to close our conversation. And I really want to thank our guests, Jacqueline Matevich and Nicolas Fontaine, for taking the time and talk with us today. Today, we talked about the role of the mobility sector as one of the main contributors to greenhouse gas emissions, strategies and plans for the future-proof mobility systems, and how mobility shapes our daily life. Thank you all for listening. This podcast is produced by the MetroLab, a collaboration of the partnering offices Superveen Urbanism and Coco Architecture, kindly supported by funding through the Vienna Business Agency. My name is Marie-Therese Schweighofer. You can find more information about us, the podcast and other projects, as well as future episodes on our website, metrolab.design. We will be back with the next episode where we will talk about the impact of living. <laughs>